1: Welcome to episode 8 of our on farm podcasts in association with the Royal Highland Agricultural Society of Scotland. My name's Monty, Ross Montagu, and this is our first episode to go out after the 180th Highland show unfortunately couldn't have take place. Well done to everyone who took part in the RSABI's campaign, hashtag keep talking, to get on the phone to people, to stay connected, and to basically look after our mental health we enjoyed reading all of the posts on social media they were brilliant thank you also huge thanks in fact to everyone who used the time they might have been at the Highland Show to catch up with our podcasts we were delighted to see listener numbers shoot up last week brilliant if you know anyone who would love to hear our future episodes on farm which is on food, agriculture and rural matters please share please point them in the right direction you know how simple it is to listen and I'm sure you guys as our listeners would be the best place to attract new listeners too thank you today right now is quite literally the calm before the storm I'm just about to start gathering in sheep for clipping we've got a new squad of clippers coming this year I believe we've got some award-winning Scottish and and, and UK shearers this year. And that links in very well with what we're going to discuss later in this episode when we'll talk about some of the competitions and uh, skills supported by RAS. This episode is all about the Highland Society's grants, bursaries and other support. We're going to start off with some hearty congratulations.
2: To our two gold winners, Lambert and Dyson and Grain UK. Your medals will be coming to you in the next couple of weeks. Thank you and stay safe.
1: So that was Highland Society Director Jim Warnock announcing this year's two gold award winners in the annual RAS Technical Innovation Awards. That was Grain UK for their winter wheat breeding programme and Lambert and Dyson for their PTO hot water pressure washer. Both of those companies told us they're extremely chuffed with the accolade.
2: My name's Matthew Lambert. I'm sales director in a family company called Lambert and Dyson Limited. I'm Will Charlton, Arable Marketing Manager for Lima Grain UK. Our hot water PTO pressure washer unit that that won the gold award Usually when you're running a hot water pressure washer you need an external power source, either mains electric or a generator or something along those lines. The beauty about this machine and the the innovation with it is that we've used a a burner unit that pulls all of its power from the tractor. If you have a barrel of water in a field within minutes of of getting set up, you're up and running.
1: So the award is won for our wheat breeding programme. We put together a presentation and package of the activities which we carry out at our main wheat breeding research facility in Woolpit in Suffolk. We also got a person with a drone to take a,
2: a flight over of the the extensive trials we have at Woolpit to show the scale um, and size of the, the work we carry out. Three years ago we won the Silver Award which we were delighted with. The way that the system works you you are allowed to reapply the same machine to be upgraded to a gold award and all being well if you can show that it's doing the job that you told them three years ago and that sales are going well and every customer is happy with it, then they look at that and, and say yes or no to whether you're good for a gold uh, and apparently we were.
3: It means a huge amount, it means a huge amount
2: to get this kind of recognition from an institution such as the Royal Highland Show. All farmers in this country, we've found, love a recommendation. If they're looking at a piece of machinery and they think, "Mm, yeah, looks all right, but I'd like to know what somebody else thinks about it. To have an organization like the Highland, a well-respected society, to put a rubber stamp on something and say, yeah, this is a good machine, that's cracking advertising for us.
1: Thank you and well done to both companies and also all those that won silver awards and commendations. It's been part of the DNA of the society since it was founded in 1784 to reward this kind of excellence and innovation.
4: The society is based on our on Royal Charter and within that is a, a clear and strong education and learning and, and development link.
1: Alan Laidlaw... Is the Society's chief executive.
4: So there's a strong root and a strong thread of DNA right the way through the Society of supporting learning and education through charitable bursaries or events or, or training and competitions. Not everyone knows that about the Society, they don't understand that um, we could fulfill our charitable requirements away from the show as well.
1: Many RAS awards and bursaries go to encourage and support younger people not least through partnerships with the Nuffield Farming Scholarship Trust, offering life-changing travel and study overseas.
5: So I am Penny Montgomery. I am the Chief Executive of the Scottish Association of Young Farmers Clubs and I'm also this year a current Nuffield scholar. Nuffield is one of the organisations that RAS sponsor. So they are my official sponsor for my study at the moment. And then RAS are also just a huge supporter of SYFC. So on a practical level, they're a landlord. We're based on the showground. But then they give us so much more um, help and advice throughout the year, financially and physically as well.
1: Do you want to tell us a little bit more about your scholarship and how RAS have helped with that?
5: I was awarded a Nuffield scholarship in November 2018. So I'm a 2019 Nuffield scholar and the scholarship involves um, individuals studying a topic that they're passionate about. So my topic is the role Young Farmers groups should be playing in developing British agriculture. So once you're through the application process, you're then allocated uh, a sponsor. And I was lucky enough that RAS were my were my sponsor.
1: And sponsor, that means what, they help you to meet the costs? Or?
5: RAS provide funding to Nuffield. We're sent off, we can go wherever we want in the world to look at different organisations, different individuals and how they're working on that particular topic you're looking at. One of the biggest challenges I've had with my Nuffield Scholarship is you can go anywhere in the world, which sounds great, but actually trying to pin it down can be quite difficult as well. So, so far I have been to um, America, Canada, New Zealand, I had been hoping to go a bit more out of my comfort zone and go to a sort of non-English speaking country maybe Kenya, um, Singapore but uh, Covid put pay to that unfortunately Uh,
1: Yeah so your plans are a bit of another bit of a casualty of Covid then really
5: The full conference has been cancelled but they're still working on what the alternative is going to look like It could be that we would present in 2021 instead of 2020 but in the meantime we need to get on and write our reports.
1: You've personally obviously had support from RAS but you're obviously also Chief Exec of SAYFC um, and RAS as you say, a, a big supporter. Do you want to talk a bit more about that?
5: Yeah, so, you know, RAS they are there. They've got a fantastic staff team that can offer support and help to me individually. They're always there to help a helping hand. They cut our grass outside the Young Farmer Centre. So there's a whole vast range of practical ways they help as well as um, some financial assistance as well. So, there's some annual scholarships that we receive from RAS, so we are lucky enough that we get to send an individual to the Oxford Farming Conference every year, so that's subsidised by RAS. We've applied in the past for various different um, sort of projects and initiatives, so every second year we have a long-haul study tour, um, which RAS have contributed towards as well, so in 2018 there was 16 individuals went to california there was supposed to be 16 individuals going to chile in december this year but again that's been um, put on hold it's one of the projects they're funding at the moment for us, which is one of the most important for me, is we have a leadership programme, Cultivating Leaders. Yeah, yeah. So again, yeah. RAS have, have supported um, funding for that for the next couple of years as well, which is fantastic just to have that. So it is a six-day programme. We are lucky that we are able to pull in a lot of sort of industry experts, so Royal Bank of Scotland, Campbell Dallas, Gilbraiths, Leadingham Charmers, right. And they get that sort of real life example from the experts and the knowledge, whether it's built, doing a business plan or delving more into the finance of issues, then we've got that really great pool of people that actually sort of lead it and contribute it, which is great.
1: So, really, all about bringing on the next generation of, well, as you call them, leaders. Yeah.
5: Yeah. 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 And I think so they do, you know, they get that practical knowledge but also the key thing is actually the network. So they then go away with it's 16 individuals from throughout Scotland that take part. Most of them might not have met their counterparts before, but actually they've been really strong networks going forward. So they've got their 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 counterparts, but they've also then got those networks of the professionals as well that they can tap into. And it's maybe not this year, next year, it's maybe in 10 years' time, but they've made those connections that they can use in the future.
1: Yeah, I- key thing that S A Y F C and and i'm guessing ras share you're about bringing people in and showcasing what agriculture and food and, and the rural world is about and also opening up people's eyes to the career opportunities within that those sectors as well
5: yeah yeah definitely i mean we've got a role to play you know, we've got access to young people that maybe haven't actually made decisions about their careers. And it's, it's not all about pointing them to be farmers. There's so many different career options within farming and different support um, roles that they could play within, within agriculture and rural as well. It's not just about farming.
1: Obviously, the, the, the Highland show didn't happen this year. And unfortunately, we've got none of the local shows happening this year either. Um, what do you think your members are going to miss most about the shows?
5: So there's two things, really. There is, just like everyone else, it is just going to the show and meeting up with people. You don't see that regularly. And it might be somebody from Caithness that's meeting somebody from Lanarkshire. You know, it's that whole network and that broken sort of chain. And the other thing, actually, is the competition for us. So Young Farmers is built around competition. So things like Tug of War... There'll be members who are training from January with tug of war teams, and they might be training one or two times a week, and they don't have that sort of social interaction at the moment. And it goes for all our other competitions stock judging, arts and crafts. They don't just rock up at the Highland Show and take part, it's actually that sort of build up. It's eliminations at some of the local shows. It is that sort of that interaction ongoing, not just that sort of four days of the Highland Show. And it's fun.
1: It's fun as well, isn't it? It's social and <laughs> yes. it's fun. You go on, You know, yeah. I personally remember back to my young farmers days and the show circuit. And if we didn't have a local show, we'd be looking to another one to go to every weekend of the year if we could.
5: Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Completely. It's it's a big hole.
5: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: I, I think, you know, speaking to you, I wish I could be more involved now because that was a, just a brilliant time, young farmers. And I don't think I would personally be able to do this, for example, a podcast, if it hadn't been for young farmers' speech-making and if it hadn't been for the network, the network that you meet. And yes, that can be fun and it can be silly and it can be over a few drinks or more than a few drinks, but it sticks with you. It's a very valuable, valuable thing that sticks with you. Young farmers does so much for people in the rural Scotland.
5: I think that's where actually the, the, the great support we get from RAS is partly down to the fact that a lot of the RAS directors were past members as well. So they'll, as you've just said, they're potentially where they are because of the skills they gained from young farmers and actually going forward, we are the feeder for their next trustees as well, their next directors. So yeah, so it's good to that we're working so closely together.
4: We regularly see people developing hugely, whether they be like Penny Montgomery travelling on an Uffield scholarship or somebody going on one of our bursaries to the Royal Agricultural Society to the Commonwealth. It's quite a broad mix of, of support that we give to people. And mostly it's about people learning or developing an existing interest. And that's what really excites me. I think it's probably one of my most privileged parts of my role is seeing people with a passion and an interest asking for help we're in a position that we can grant them either networks and resources or, or finance. And you see them when they come back and they've developed, they've grown, they've, they've expanded their knowledge. And and there are great examples all in Scotland of people who have learned by, by being supported by RAS through different scholarships that are now industry leaders making a real difference to to our sphere. So it's a real no-brainer from my perspective, because at the end of the day, you would hope that somebody in Scottish agriculture who is supported by RAS and the organisation to go and study and learn, hopefully they'll be able to contribute more to the society and to the, the sector. So it's a, it's a virtuous, positive circle from my perspective.
1: So RAS support a whole lot of traditional but useful rural skills and the training they're in. Things like farriery, the new forge at Ingolston is all set up to support the Scottish team and the support that they give to the shearing guys these guys are at the top of their game it translates directly into the skills of the team on my farm just now clipping my yows
4: every bursary award has to go back to our founding principles of our charter is it advancing rural scotland is it advancing the crafts of rural scotland or the people of rural scotland and if it's doing that then we are able to support it. Sheep shearers are absolutely essential to keep, especially on warm weeks like this, uh, when we're recording today, um, to keep our sheep healthy and, and safe. The wool that they produce is a great sustainable product. And without investing in young sheep shearing talent, we won't have those people there to do a key job. So we invest in them by running the competition at the Royal Highland Show, but also making sure we financially support them and our farriers in the equestrian world to travel internationally to compete with the best.
1: The shearing competition at the show is always a big draw for visitors. And indeed, when anyone sets up and does a demonstration of shearing at any of the local shows throughout Scotland, that too is a big draw. Shearing at the Highland show also makes for a very busy day for the next person we're going to hear from. Geordie Dunn, a former director of the Highland Society, runs livestock college company Campbell's of Oxton. Each year it's his job to transport hundreds, sometimes thousands, of sheep on
3: and off the showground to be shorn for the competition. Ever since the, the World champions, oh dear, 2006, Jimmy Sh- the late Jimmy Sharp was in charge of the shearing. And he, he come on to speak to us about, about bringing the sheep in, because I think they're over 3,000. And they preferred if they just had one contractor to do the job and they could control it better. So I've done it since then. But it's a big job, but it's all well-planned. They all locally come locally, the sheep, but I say locally from Peebleshire. But the, the biggest thing is try to keep them dry before the clipping event, because it's quite late for a hog before it gets clipped in the middle of June, when it's usually the first of June.
1: You have to get them there that morning, you have to get them there on the... She, I, I, off the the clipping table and back on the lorry. You give it a
3: timetable by the, the chief steward when they want the sheep in from about half past seven in the morning until about... o'clock in the afternoon so the lorries just arrive at that specific time so there's not a traffic jam at the shearing shed so we've now heard from penny
1: about benefits to a range of younger people offered by ras missed quiet geordie dunn was also instrumental in making a fairly major change impacting people at the other end of the age spectrum we are talking basically about the royal highland society and the awards and bursaries and the sort of things that he do that maybe not a lot of people know of. But I really wanted to speak with you about the long service medals. I understand that when you were a director, you were keen to change the long service medals to make it that it wasn't just about
3: um, farm workers, is that right? Well, that's right in a way, because farm workers are getting less and less. There's only one or two in each farm now. And I just thought agricultural-related industries be it auctioneers, Mm -hmm. mechanical, and drivers' livestock. Mm -hmm. And I'm very fortunate. I've got a good staff, and one was at 40 years, and one was at 30, and I have another one at 29. And we discussed it as directors at the show, and it came forward last year. So I put my two men forward, and they were accepted, and we had a presentation in February, just before lockdown, thankfully. And it's a good honour, because there's not many uh, folk employed for over 30 years. No. And it's stuck by them. It's stuck by me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, they, they appreciate it. And you would encourage other hauliers and others involved? oh and- ah, yes, definitely. But it, it's you have to watch. It has to be agricultural-related. Yeah. the be other different hauliers, different employment over 30 years, but it's not in the yeah. farming side.
1: Yeah, yeah. So businesses like a uh, machinery dealerships and that sort of thing?
3: Yeah. I think there was a machinery dealer there. I think there's two got the long service medal we're at Kelso. This year? Yeah. The
1: drivers enjoyed the, the presentation? And the oh, they did. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Our lunch, lunch started at half twelve yeah. and went on to six o'clock and they had a very enjoyable day. Right,
1: they wouldn't you be
3: driving home no, after didn't. that? No, the next day. <laughs> <laughs> and who were your, who were your drivers? Uh, Alan Henderson, who's in 40 years here, and William Hill, who's in 30 years. Hello, I'm Wally Hill of I've worked with Campbell's for thirty-five years.
1: You were uh, recipient of a, a Royal Highland Society Long Service Medal.
3: Yes, aye.
1: Uh, does it make does it make thirty thirty-five years worthwhile?
3: Aye, some uh, getting recognition for what you've done over the years, like because there's been a hell of a changes over the years from when you started, and aye, things have moved on a lot. It's the same as oh, the whole industry, like whether it's hauling livestock or anything else in the firm, just the way things have moved again.
1: I hope so far in this episode you're now starting to see the breadth of people and organisations benefiting from the money you spend on your Highland show ticket, your Highland Society membership or your charitable donation to RAS. It's more important than ever to keep these things in mind in this year when we've lost the show to coronavirus. The loss of revenue to the society from the cancelled show is estimated at £4.8 million. So that's £4.8 million they don't have to spend on some of the activities we're talking about. Lastly in this episode, we're going to hear from an organisation set up with the support of RAS and NFU Scotland 100 years ago. It's now a world-class disease research centre Working on the behalf of farmers.
0: I'm Professor Leonis. I work at the Morden Research Institute. Morden is quite a unique organisation because we are owned and governed by farmers. What we do is we conduct research to try and get solutions to prevent and control livestock diseases. So, working with sheep and cattle mainly, we were set up 100 years ago by Scottish farmers. We're actually very proud of our history, that today our ethos and our mission statement is exactly the same now as it was then. The farmers usually prioritise for us which diseases they would like us to work on, but the focus is very much on providing a solution. So while many researchers perhaps at universities might be pursuing science for science sake, at Morden, we're looking to pursue science and apply the, the, the most modern technologies to get a solution. So, for example, at Morden, we're very keen to develop vaccines because we think disease prevention is better than cure. And you're probably aware that there's a lot of uh, controversy about using overuse of antimicrobials and medicines and drugs, etc. So we're very aware of that. So what we try to do is get a solution um, where you can avoid the disease or prevent the disease. And that can be knowledge through testing, whether it be monitoring parasites or testing for what causes abortion in sheep or cattle. You can have a much more targeted approach if you know what you're dealing with. So our strategy is to find out as much as we can about what causes the disease and how you diagnose it, how you tackle it, Not far different from what people are trying to do at the moment with COVID-19. And then when we get a vaccine or something that will work for the farmers, we look to get that commercialised and out there so that they can use it because it's not much use if it's in our lab and it's not available to the farmers. And we developed recently the first vaccine against parasitic worms and we commercialised that ourselves to get it out and make it available to farmers.
1: Yeah, so a hundred years. This is. Uh, did I get this right? This was meant to be a celebration this year of your centenary.
0: Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, this was meant to be a really big year for us because we were celebrating 100 years since we were set up. Of course, with the COVID-19 pandemic, um, a lot of the plans we had for this year to to celebrate our achievements and also a look forward to the future that all changed um, in March this year.
1: So, the Highland Show, th- these podcasts are in conjunction with the Royal Highland Agricultural Society of Scotland and they're focusing on the Highland Show. And I believe that Morden had plans to mark your centenary at, at this year's show.
0: Yes, we did. We did. We had, Morden had, um, we had a big programme set up for the Highland Show this year. In the old days when Morden was set up in the 1920s, we started off with, it was an old shepherd's hut on wheels, which was the mobile laboratory. And that laboratory went out into the field and worked with the farmers to find out the causes of diseases. And we thought it would be really good this year if we could resurrect that mobile laboratory and make it uh, a modern, up-to-date bus, as it were. So we've, we've been building... Um, this new mobile laboratory and outreach bus, which we were going to launch at the Highland Show this year. It was really to help promote some of the work we're doing. We're working on rapid penside side diagnostics, which we could demonstrate to farmers. Um, and we've also got the facility within the bus to do a lot of public engagement and outreach work. Because one of the the major things we do at Morden, because we have a big membership base, we've got about 12,000 farmer members all over the UK. What we wanted to do is use this to help with outreach. So we can actually communicate a lot of the work we do to farmers. And the Highland Show is a fantastic venue for that. I think with the COVID outbreak, actually, um, there's a lot more interest in the public with testing, diagnostics you know how do vaccines work and I think the work we've been doing with the Royal Highland Society in education and outreach although very much on the livestock side the veterinary side it's very pertinent at the moment for for the public so we were we were just very disappointed not to have the opportunity to launch it at the Highland but we do hope that we will continue the collaboration with RAS and we will be taking the bus out two different venues, hopefully later this year or certainly into next year.
1: That's going to be a tremendous resource for us. And it's going to be, a, from what you're saying, it's going to be a really useful resource for your team too.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's perfect. and and it, and it resonates with our past, but it's also got the future look. So what it's going to do is allow us to get out into the big shows like the Highland, but also to the remote rural communities. So go back to our roots, get out on farm, We can actually take very high tech stuff on this bus because some of the new techniques we've got now work off our mobile phone. You can do gene sequencing in the field. You can do rapid five minute diagnostics. So we want to show the farmers what is available, what we can do to help and also look at education. You know, look at some getting in about with some of the school kids and working with Rhett to say, look, you could have a career as a disease detective. You could get out there help the farming community. And it's really quite exciting. Um, And this bus will enable us to do all of that. And being a mobile unit, it's got great potential.
1: The relationship with RAS goes back right to the very beginning then.
0: Yes, it it does. In fact, we were interested, we we were looking up the history of the organisation, obviously for the centenary this year. And it was put together um, by RAS and the National Farmers Union of Scotland initially to get a group of uh, flock masters together. So these would be the, the very proactive sheep farmers after the war. The major problems they had was that the sheep were dying of all sorts of different diseases. So they got together, formed an association. So it's a really good examples of farmers working together to help themselves. And I say I'm very proud that here we are 100 years later, we're now a big international research organisation. We're known across the world for our work, but we're still owned and governed by farmers, which I think is a huge achievement. And therefore, the work we do is entirely relevant to what they need. And I think, in, in certainly in the scientific world, people go on about um, is how important it is to have impact of your work and make your work relevant. Morden, in fact, has been doing that ever since they were set up. So in some ways, the foresight of the farmers all those years ago, working together with the Royal Highland Society, they've left us this fantastic legacy that we are very, very proud to uphold now and move forward working with RAS to make sure that the research we do is useful and needed by the farmers.
1: I was actually personally lucky enough to have an involvement with Morden, what, three years back now? I wanted to know more about a nematodiris in my lambs. There was a trial at Morden that I could get involved in. It was brilliant. A researcher from Morden came out. um, She took samples. She took poo samples from a batch of my lambs. More importantly, she showed me how to do that. The the samples were taken away up to the lab and analyzed. It was also checking for resistance. to to some of the the warmers that are available.
0: That, I think, was one of our PhD students, uh, Lindsay Melville.
1: That's right, Lindsay.
0: She's been fantastic. And the other thing we're we're very keen to do at the Institute is to put as much emphasis on um, exchanging knowledge with the farmers. So we put as much emphasis on the communication of the science as doing the science. But behind all of that is our independence. So the farmers can hopefully trust the advice we give it's backed up by science, um, but we have no vested interest in pushing a product at you. So I, I, I'm, I'm really pleased to hear that you have had first-hand experience of that, plus also the opportunity for a young scientist to get out and, and and do some very interesting research.
1: It's called knowledge transfer now, isn't it? That's the kind of the technical name, but you know it's much much more valuable than the raw research that you you may get from, for example, a university.
0: Yeah, and I think, um, I mean, we we like to see it, um, we sometimes call it knowledge exchange because our scientists, and I'll include myself in that, I have learned so much from getting out, speaking to farmers, you know, you guys are working with the diseases day in, day out. You've taught us a lot too, because sometimes as scientists, we have a, you know, we have a focused view of the world. And in getting out and finding out what your issues are, but also we get samples from the farmers, like you helped Lindsay with her research. So it's very much a two-way street.
1: Good, good. I, I think that's brilliant. And you know, just coming back to the the reasoning of this um, episode in conjunction with Ras, you know, it's, it's just great to see my support and those of other members going towards something like Morden and what you've just told us is brilliant.
0: Yeah and we're, and we're also I mean Monty I have to say that the relationship that Morden has with RAS is absolutely brilliant. It's very mutually beneficial. We have similar ethos you know we're trying to work together to help the farming community in the rural industries. So you often find you get that multiplier effect if you have Two groups coming together, you get much more together than you would separately. We are very proud to be associated with the Royal Highland Society throughout that whole 100 years.
1: Thank you to Professor Innes for a fascinating chat. That's pretty much it for this episode. We'll leave you for now with a last word from Society Chief Exec Alan Laidlaw. He's going to talk a little bit more about the value of the Royal Highland Society and why just now it's more important than ever to give it your backing.
4: I sit here today, you know, in the week after the date of when the Royal Highland Show should have been and a lot of people saying, we'll be there next year, we'll be absolutely right behind you. And and I think from my perspective we, we need the sector behind us, we want support. The society will have a challenging year this year and and next, but I think how would you support that? Make sure you're a member, because if you value the Royal Highland show, it can only be delivered because of the, the strength of the members and, and our organization. And if if you've got opportunities to help us with fundraising, I think as an organization we've we've tended to be quite successful at fundraising quietly and we maybe need to be slightly more overt on, on that than we have been in the past. One of our directors said this morning The um, whole of the emotion around the loss of the the show not being here for Rural Scotland and all the other shows around the country was because people had probably realised its value more because it hadn't been here. And if you just assume that you've always got access to something, sometimes you you take it for granted. So if you're in that camp, spread the word, recruit another member, get them to become a life member, which is, is great value and a huge benefit to society. Fundamentally, if we can raise more money through fundraising, we can do more good.